0: your wine, L.A.? How did you know I'm drinking wine? It's kind of a 50-50 chance that you have wine or some kombucha in that cup.
1: Wow, you really know me too well at this point. And yes, in fact, it is some Trader Joe's red wine, and it is better than the price that I paid for it. I will put it that way. How about you? What are you drinking?
0: (laughs) I am drinking Nespresso from home. But I've gotten pretty good at making coffee, although it makes it for me.
1: Hey, you have to, you know, get to know the device and you learn its characteristics. And now you drink beautiful European quality espresso in your house.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, cheers to that. Cheers. So who do we have on the show today?
1: Well, uh, today we are gonna be talking about niche. You know, it's like uh, how to avoid being the something for everyone kind of freelancer and really get great at what you are best at. And we have co-founders Ambika Nigam and Christina Nizar of Zeit to talk to us about that today.
0: I'm so excited. I personally found it very difficult to niche down at the beginning of my freelance career. So this is going to be an amazing episode.
1: Honestly, I still find it difficult and I still don't really exactly. Though you'll see when you listen to this interview, I, I have improved my ability to niche since talking to Christina and Abika. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty great convo. Uh, shall we get right into it? Yeah,
0: here's to niching. Let's do it.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Wow. I can't believe we're back for another episode of For the Love of Freelance. I'm LA Marks. And uh, Tia, where are you at? Are you here? I'm in Austin, Austin, where I will be very soon. Can't wait to see you in person. And today we have with us our first set of female co-founders to grace us with their presence on the podcast. We have Ambika Nigam and Christina Nazar, the founders of Zite, which is a brand new company that helps the 50 million people on this planet who are trying to make a career pivot right now actually do it with grace and knowledge and support and mentorship. So I'm super excited to talk to you guys. Obviously, freelancers are constantly tweaking, starting new careers, bringing new things in and out. So before we dive into our fun conversation, can you just introduce yourselves, tell us how you met and chose each other to join in holy co founder and launch this amazing company together.
2: Yes. First of all, thank you for having us. We're so excited to be here. And what an honor to be the first totally. two female co-founders um, on this wonderful pod. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So Christina and I, 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 I'm happy to start here. Um, we uh, we met uh, many years ago now over over ten years ago now um, at IDEO, uh, where we got to work together, IDEO Design Innovation Agency, and we um, we really worked super well together, good partners um, on like on a fintech project actually, and both of us um, have had very eclectic careers, um, done a lot of career transitions and pivots. Um, so I myself have i actually started in finance um, i wanted to be a stand-up comedian um, which i was doing by night and was a data analyst by day um, and it really led me to pursue more creative pastures in marketing ultimately at places like ideo doing product design and then was most recently heading a product at at bloomberg media um, and Christina and I, I was doing a, a founder and residence program at GCT where I was kind of thinking about this, this idea. And she happened to walk in one day and we were, she was, she was there talking. Love at first sight. Exactly. And we uh, were friends, we're friends and we, we hadn't seen each other physically in a while. So
3: we caught up and, um. I think your friend had made fun of you. We like hadn't really seen yeah. each other in, in many years, and we had this very dramatic embrace and oh, like you know, you know, when you haven't seen someone for so long. Um, and she definitely got um, made fun of after. Yes, exactly. It was in slow motion. So it was like really, it was really great timing. Um, I actually had been freelancing for six plus years at that time, and I was at Grand Central Tech, like actually pitching a client. So it was just pure serendipity that we ran into each other. Um, a little bit about, about my background, you know, I had um, a history. I went to school for like graphic design and then like over my career have like pivoted into user research and use and product design and product strategy. And I've kind of all done that through um starting at IDEO and like traditional design firms and then moving into freelance and like slowly kind of pivoting my career towards more strategic roles from a design role. So um, we have had like synergies around like shaping kind of our career arcs, but in very different ways. Mine more in freelance, her in more like traditional um, workplace um, companies.
0: That's awesome. I'm also trying to count on one hand like how many career pivots I've made LA you.
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) Oh well I'm just still thinking
1: about when Ambika said that she was a (laughs) stand-up comedian and you Um, seem
0: surprised to hear that. Should we have you tell us a joke? (laughs) It's
1: if you have a joke, you can't. Or I know that's every comedian's worst nightmare. So if it's you true. want, you can just share. Can like put you on the spot, do a stand up. I set mean, it's right like because I'm a <laughs> poet, right? Yeah, it's like I can't just like tell you a poem right now necessarily, though. I would try. I, I would know. try. Uh, but but what? How do you translate that? Like how, how did you go what from comedian to marketing professional? And do you still ever do stand up?
2: I, I don't, um, well I do for my family, uh, completely.
1: Does your family think you're funny? Like, does your kid no. think you're funny? <laughs>
2: no, they used to. It's like really deep. No, my kids think I'm funny. Um, I, I don't, I've done improv in the last couple of years, but really like it, it was, it, it, it became, it kind of influenced two things. I think number one, it certainly influenced like my leadership style and, and, yeah you know, the vibe that I like to, um, to put out there and and how, you know, I can be self-deprecating and, and use that to really, um, I think hopefully bring people together. Um, but then I think the second thing is that it really like influenced culturally where I go, where I went in my career. Like I was at a, Mm -hmm. I was at a great company, Oppenheimer funds, but it just wasn't creative and it wasn't culturally like where I felt like I could be myself. So it became, comedy kind of became this compass for me as to where can I find and a place that I can really thrive. And I honestly didn't really feel that until I went to IDEO and got to really feel like I could, I had a voice and um, I could be myself um, and and really kind of grow into grow into that.
1: Yeah. I mean, coming from IDEO, like what a, what a like pedigree to, to have, you know, they're, they're so like quintessential for innovative ideas and design and like thinking outside the box and like everything that every corporate yeah. entity or client or whatever wants to have, you know, so you must really have that special sauce. So how do you apply that to Zeit and helping people find their niche and figure out what they're good at?
2: Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, it's it's in the – this is the beauty of, of Christine and I getting to work together. I think there's a couple things. So number one, the ethos of, um, of Zite in so many ways is being human-centered. Like this is – we fundamentally see – there's a lot of platforms out there that are about career advice and career support. But um, we fundamentally think that there's a white space in – they're not being a place that is truly user centered, user centered. A place that is like really job seeker yeah. forward, mm-hmm. and because everything always ends up being more about what a corporation or an enterprise needs. So I think that makes us like ruthlessly and I think focused uh, secondly user. too, I
3: think it, it's a way at approaching a problem. Like I think when we talk about Zeit, we try to like trick you in some ways to to get outside of your head to trick you into. What you're good at, to to expressing what you're good at, to what pathways you want to discover. Because we get into kind of these loops, right? Around getting like cross-eyed when we look at job descriptions or client projects or whatever it is, we can't get outside of our head. So, really, what it's taught me is a different way of thinking about how to, how to like, you know, get those aha moments from people by like working in a different way. So I think that it it helped instill in us like a methodology of working that we really wanted to create something different and rethink this this process that we all go through, which is trying to figure out, you know, what the heck we want to do next and where to take our next few years.
0: And I think we're always figuring that out because... Who knows what the next five years are going to bring? I never knew freelancing females would even become a company till it did, so it's been a fun way to see how we've pivoted in the last few years. What would you say to a freelancer who's looking for their aha moment?
3: Yeah, I think that there's a few things. I think that what we realized was it's a little bit of a mindset shift here. It's a, it, it, there's some needed self reflection, really trying to understand. What you truly are good at, and what you truly gets you excited, right? So I think that we oftentimes look at um, other roles and responsibilities or projects we want to do, but it's not about looking at that. It's about really like centering yourself and reflecting on what are the skills that I have that I really want to double down on, enhance. It's not about you know there's we tend to look at skills as things are really good at and things are bad at. And a lot of people spend too much time really focusing on the bad things, making the bad things better, as opposed to like elevating and focusing on the things I'm really great at.
0: And additionally, you know, you could be great at so many different things. How do you decide on where you (laughs) reach down to and what things should be more like hobbies versus more like a business?
2: Yeah, it's, it's so great. I mean, I think, you know, there's this, it's a great question because there's today, uh, I, I don't know if, if you all feel this, but you really, you hire the whole person, right? People are bringing their entire selves to work, their interests, their passions from the outside. Um, and as an individual, it can be really difficult to understand um, what what threads you really do want to double down on um i think a way that we've we've been thinking about it a lot is um we we use this framework called majors and minors and um and realize that like your majors and minors can change all the time so a question that we often ask is like what 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 is your major today right what what are the things that you want to double down on and what are the things that you're minoring in and and that could be for example like um I'm like, I got this sneaky little, like I'm in fintech as a product manager, but I got this like sneaky little, um, Shopify business that I'm running on the side. I'm learning crazy new skills from. So that's a minor,
1: but maybe God, there's who something doesn't in there. Work in fintech and also have a Shopify store. I feel like that's <laughs> such a quintessential <laughs> demographic right there. I could probably 100%. tell you ten ten 10 people that I personally know who would I'd identify as that. <laughs> Wait. So um, hold on. What is? Can everyone say what their major and minor is? I think that's so interesting. And this is something that I I was talking to you guys about before. I like. I'm like. I think I'm a double major, not a major and a minor. But but so if go through Tia, what's your major? What's your minor? You're on the spot <laughs> I'm over me. here.
0: Like, don't go to me first. <laughs> um, <laughs> my major is, I'd say leadership. And my minor is, oof, um, marketing. Mm-hmm, I, I guess mm-hmm, marketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've done marketing partnerships. I've done event planning. I've done everything leads to where I am now. And no, actually, community building. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's, that's probably my best best asset determine- there.
1: Do you determine it by what you're best at, what makes you the most money, uh, what what you've done the longest, like how do you know what you like to do
0: the most, or is it like does it have to be kind of all of the above? Well, I all think the- it has to pull oh, no, from all of those areas. Oh, okay, yeah, totally. we can. I mean, the thing with community building is I was able to build freelancing females, which turned into giving me the ability to make money. By helping other women, and you need to be able to succeed in that and make money, or you can't continue to do it, or you have to do it on the side and find something else that's a money maker. So I think they all go hand in hand. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think people treat minors right now as kind of this experimentation, and if is like, could that be something that could turn into a major? what needs to be true for that to be turned into a major or for it to take on like a bigger sphere in my life. Um, which I think is such a great, like what a great phase of work, future work, you know, that we're in right now that we have the ability to do that.
3: Christina, what about you? My What's major your major minor? is like, I is like probably like product thinking, like new product thinking. So that's where Ambika and I align a well, lot. Like I'm really excited about like reworking this problem. Like that's what gets me out of bed all day. That's what I get paid for. Um, that is what I'm really excited about. And my minor is probably around storytelling. So that's something my past had mm. done visually as like a designer and somebody who's crafting ha- how to not only communicate effectively, but make it really compelling. So that's what I really love to do.
1: So product and problem solving do you mean like actually yeah so there's like
3: the innovation yeah yeah like like, you're an inventor that's a great way yeah (laughs) thanks for reframing that for me I'm an inventor I'm going to own that (laughs) but um yeah yeah I think we're (laughs) like I'm just really excited about like reworking problems reworking like creating new things for people in a way that works that resonates with them um and that that's super exciting for me
1: and Ambika, what is yours? Your minor is obviously comedy. It's one of my minors. Yeah, one of my minors. Um, you don't
2: think it's a major? I'm going to convince you by the end of this. All
1: right. Um, my uh, my
2: my major is is leadership. I would say like b- leadership, business strategy, and um, my minor is pattern pattern mapping. Like I'm kind of like known in like a tactical sense. I'm kind of this like framework nut. I've always been the person like, oh, there's like a lot of information here. Who can like help us build a framework to kind of like figure this out? So I think that's like a big tool that I use a lot to solve to solve problems.
1: Wow. Breaking it down into this way also makes your company make so much sense. You guys saw a problem. You saw a space where there needed to be an inventive new solution, a new approach and mapped it out. And now you're telling the story of it and leading people into their, their own futures, right? Like, it's like, duh. Well,
2: yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good to hear you say that because I feel like part of, you know, when you hear about what we do, it's like career path discovery and, and pursuit of, of, you know, making a pivot. It sounds pretty straightforward, but as we all know, building companies, it's all in the execution. Right. And I think the way that we approach it is through a very creative lens. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why it's resonating with people. That's why like the way the tools are kind of served up to the community, it just, it feels unique and feels more powerful than I think what people have experienced before
1: totally and like on in your description of what you do like collaboration and confidence were two of the words that came up a lot and I feel like are the key things that we're supporting freelancers with with freelancing females constantly having someone to bounce an idea off of having someone to pick you back up and dust you off when you get a rejection or you have a failure or stumbling block you know so now might be a great time for you to tell us like do you want to share like an, an amazing success story of someone you've worked with and just like what it looked like you know uh, Jenny came in. She was 24. She was down on her luck as a fintech executive <laughs> with a f- failing Shop Shopify store. Say. And now she's, what is she doing now? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that story, you just,
2: you nailed that one actually. <laughs> um, so many, we have so many great, great stories and really powerful ones of, of like, you know, I think the beauty right now has been it's been really agnostic to industries like we had this blockbuster event a couple of weeks ago, which nearly broke Christina and mine's back. Um, but it was around educators, um, educators wanting to break into ed tech and just think about just think about the last two years that educators have had.
1: Right. My friend literally just did that. He was a public school elementary teacher in Florida, and he was like actually having a nervous breakdown. And he just got a job working remote, doing all of the ed tech stuff with like some contractor with Google, like exactly it tripled his salary. All of his anxiety and attacks and stuff went away. Like, and he's still doing education, which he's so passionate about. Yes, yes, and
2: that's that's been. So, it, it, just a great example. We've had we've had high school teachers, elementary school teachers, administrators from colleges. Um, so, really, really big demand, and, and many of them are going through our program right now. So, um, yes, it's been really industry agnostic. But one, you know, one specific story. I won't mention her name, but um, let's call her Stephanie. Um, and she's a single mom. Um, came to us. Freelancer, this is rel- really relevant to to your wonderful community, um, who had done a really a- amalgamation of things, um, including writing, including brand strategy, including research, and she wanted to she wanted to increase her salary. She really wanted to get a full time job, and um, she done her research and said, "I think I want to break into customer success um, management." Um, and I, I want to do it for a bigger, more established tech platform. So she, she went through a program and, um, you know, she had a lot of a lot on her plate being a single mom and trying to, you know, pay the bills and manage the emotional toll of everyday life. And um, we, you know, one day uh, on in our Slack where a lot of our community uh, lives, uh, I just I get a Slack message from her that was like, guess what? Your girl just got a job as a customer success manager. This was like, you know, after oh. after coaching um, you know, her through the interview process and how to break in and leverage her network to get the interviews. And it was it was honestly one of the moments, and you guys I think will also appreciate this building a business where I was like, what we're doing is incredible. Like we immediately picked up the phone, called each other, crying. Mm-hmm. Like it was just, it was just a really wonderful moment to know that like, we have the ability to really affect people's lives here. So that was, that That was a really special one.
0: And what you were saying about how she's a single mom and she takes on all these extra tasks and burdens. There's so much that women have to go through in addition to their career changes. So what problems do you see specifically with women when they're trying to pivot their careers? Yeah. I mean, I can, I can jump in here. I know
2: Christina has a lot of thoughts on this too, but like just, just being a mom, I I will say you hit on one of the big ones, right? I mean, we all, I think know this stat around how 46% of women never, never return to the workforce, right. After becoming a mom, that's insane. Oh, wow.
1: I didn't actually know it was that high. It's
2: insane. I mean, and, and these are like years of experience that people have. So I think Mm -hmm. that's that's one of the major issues is like t- removing that stigma of if you have a gap of a year or two, it's okay, right? There's still so much um, value that, that you you bring. And I think after becoming a mom, a lot of people want to do something different, um, but they just don't know how to start and um, they, don't, they don't know, they, they don't
3: have the confidence yeah. that, that they can't do just it. just to add to that too, like we talk about the, the wage gap, right? I think one big thing that our mission hits towards is like we want to enable women and people the ability to have upwards mobility and agency in their careers. So like, as we know, like staying in one job for in one company over time is not going to get you those salary raises. It's not going to get you the role title raises. If you're a freelancer, we oftentimes get pigeonholed into one thing that we do really well over and over again. So by pivoting, you're enable enabling people to have like that financial aid and um, personal mobility to, to crafting like what your career looks like and also getting paid more incrementally like over time. So for me, it's really about like how we can creatively address the pay gap in some ways um, by also helping people build confidence and the negotiation skills needed to kind of handle some of those more complicated situations.
0: Yeah. And career mobility when it comes to freelancing is very different than, you know, going up the ladder at a corporate company or going into a pay raise at a smaller startup. So what would you say when someone's looking to uplevel their skills as a freelancer? Where should they start?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I think I um, just a personal anecdote here. Um, I kind of mentioned pigeonholing. When I was freelancing for years, I got really well known for doing something very specific, like doing like creative direction brand within the wellness space, like working for great people like Marie Kondo and and Daily Harvest, things like that. It was amazing, but like I get kept getting the same work over and over again, so I wasn't able to kind of evolve. As a person, as as a in my career. So what I did was I actually looked at my past skills. So I had a history and strategy and research and wanted to do more user experience, user strategy. So what I did was I like thought about like, you know, how I could position myself to do that translation. And because of kind of the big tech boom, there was all these contract positions that were available in that space. And so I was able to kind of build a portfolio by taking on contract jobs that helped me get there. So I wanted more strategic roles. So I got a contract with the Times doing creative direction, but also a strategy piece. Yeah. The New York Times. And then after that, I was like able to, you know, get a a role at more of a a true tech company on a product team. And that helped me become a product designer. And from there, was able to kind of pivot my way into kind of all these opportunities. And don't get me wrong. I wasn't working for the times right off the bat, like as a freelancer, I had like years before that where like, I had like inconsistent work, like was, you know, trying to tell my soul to get a project. So it just, it wasn't like, I make it sound like really linearly and easy, but like the key of what I found was trying to figure out what skills, what major and minors you want to focus on to help you kind of you know, slowly pivot into a space that you, that like felt more fulfilling to me and also gave me some more financial mobility too.
0: And you started creating the work that you wanted to be hired for. I think that's really important. Okay. On,
1: on the flip side, what's like a freelance experience that you had or maybe a time where you tried to pivot, right? But it was like a horror story. Like how have you dealt with times when you've like tried to do something that maybe you realized after the fact that was outside of your major or minor? I I know I've done a few of those. I I could probably Yeah, you go first. first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, this is, this is an interesting one, too, because I think what this is an example of is not exactly doing something that I wasn't good at, but trying to do, a, like, a level five version yep. of it when I was still at level one, right? Like, you were talking, Christina, about how you, like, took your baby steps and you pivoted, like, 10 degrees at a time. And so basically Tia and I have been talking about branding work for years because we see so many freelancers struggling with this idea of just like, um, like they just overthink, overthink and like fret over, you Mm. know, the color choice and what web platform should I use? And like, da da, instead of just making a decision and being like, listen, I can iterate on this and I can go. Right. So we were seeing this over and over again. And I got... I was actually briefly mentioned in a a New York Times article. uh, Wow. About, no, just uh, small things, small small. (laughs) things.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll put a like link in the, the show thing. notes. Just, Everybody uh, should uh, share
1: all wins. <laughs> no, yeah, totally, totally. I'm just joking. But the reason I say that is just because that's how someone heard of me. She was like, oh, this person, and then looked at my company and was like, I love your branding, and I want to rebrand my whole company. And she was like, she, top to bottom. She wanted new logo, new everything, new look and feel, all the copy reworked, every, Everything. Now, I've been thinking a lot about this and seeing what the problem was and what, that there was a need there, but I had no zero experience mm-hmm. project managing a branding project. Mm-hmm. And I'm a great copywriter, but I am a, not a designer at all, I, like Tia knows. Because now, because funny enough, now we've actually taken on some very successful branding projects and l- helped other freelancers awesome. launch their businesses and done it really well. For Spoiler alert, sorry. But with this first <laughs> woman, I was totally alone. Tia was not there to help me for this. I just took it because it was the beginning of the pandemic. There was no work going on. I was like, oh, I guess I can do this. I did it for my own company. And it was a disaster. And it was, it was so humbling because I was not able to coach her through decision-making. And so she just waffled on everything until six months in, she was like, I give up. And she just gave up and I couldn't stop her from giving up. Cause I was like, honestly, I kind of want to give
0: up too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I, that's mine. But you learned what you did truly like with branding and everything. Yeah, and, and what now, I was good
1: at and what I needed yeah. to bring other people in to support me on. And I mean, not to be catty, but she still doesn't have any look I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you check every day. You just keep refreshing. <laughs> no, but I do, ch- I do check like every few months. Cause this was like, this was like two years ago, you know, this was like back at wow. like, the b- very beginning of the pandemic. And I'm like, damn, like, I almost want to be like, Hey, I just want to <laughs> let you know, like, I'm good at this now. If you want to do- take
3: a round oh, two,
1: I have a similar <laughs> Still experience available.
3: where like, I remember I was taking on a really small, like this new startup, um, And we had a lot of phone conversations. I was doing this branding project and it was all going really smoothly. And I was trying to pitch myself that I would be doing UX uh, design for him too. And instead of like creating a scope and talking about it, we met up in person and he kind of blindsided me and said, okay, like you said, you know, you can do this UX design for me. Like I have a question for you. So then we went into this gigantic conference room in this very fancy building and he's like, okay. And he pulled up his website. And was telling me, like, he he really needs to get users to, like, sign up for his program and da-da-da-da-da and, like, so on and so on. And then, like, walked through the website, like, once, like, like, a few seconds per screen and was like, okay, well, how do I solve this? And then I was just like, oh, my gosh. And I had no idea, like, this is not, like, if I had more experience, I would have been like, this is not the way to solve a problem. like. And he just—he first of all, he didn't yeah. know how to set up the problem for me. But I felt like I needed to answer that and have uh, the answer immediately, right? And like, didn't know how to redirect the conversation. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't know how to buy myself time to even think. I was like, like a deer in headlights. And so I'm there, like,
1: wait. So what did I, you, what did you do? Were you just you just tried to
3: throw out yeah, a I would like it? Yeah, beautiful mind all over that whiteboard. Mind it all over the whiteboard. But no, I think I I think I have a lot of. Um, Facial reactions went to my internal feelings. He could tell that I was like (laughs) totally overwhelmed. And I, in that project, you know, I blew that part of that project. And that was okay because it's Mm -hmm. okay to fail. And I knew next time, like, you need to take a step back. It's not even about solving the problem, it's about guiding him to understand a process. And I just didn't know enough then. I didn't have the client, like, relationship skills and that like you know the process to feel confident to say like this isn't the way to do it let's let's back up so i lost that that bid for th- for that proposal and that was okay because eventually built up my confidence to to pitch more projects in that space
1: can I just say though that also like part of me is kind of like what does the gender role have to play here? You know, like if you were a dude that he had just saw as like a fellow, would he have like put you on the spot that way and tried to kind mm. of like quiz you and, the, and then like almost like disrespect your boundaries there? Yes. Like I don't know, I just I don't, I kind of don't. I kind of don't like this <laughs> Well, I think guy.
3: there's something there too with freelancing, right? You have people from all <laughs> different types of background. He came from a really corporate leadership background, as opposed to some clients I know who are like buddies, you know. Mm. So I think, like, that was his Mm -hmm, operation, Mm -hmm. like, how he operated. And that was, like, normal, normal, like, that was normal. He's used to consultants coming and being like, this is the answer before you even tell me the problem. And so I had to learn how to feel out, like, what the dynamic was.
0: And you want to niche down your clients just as much as you're niching down your skills. Who are you looking for? Who do you want to work with? And sticking to your scope. I think those are some important aspects of what you just told us. I started when I first started freelancing, I had gone from head of partnerships and community at a tech startup and I started doing social media and then all of my social media clients needed websites and then they needed photography. And I was like, no, 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 no. First I started saying yes, of course, like we all do. And then uh, after being completely overwhelmed and realizing that I can't code an entire Squarespace website, which shouldn't be coded in the first place, I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm only doing social media now. And that is my one skill that I'm working on. And that's how I was able to build out a better portfolio and then pivot my career. But in the beginning, we all take those skills and we say, oh, I, you know, I'm pretty good at photography and I'm pretty good at this. And then we get overwhelmed. We're like, where are we? All of these clients are coming to you for all different things now. You don't know who to decide on. So for me, it was important to niche down my skills. And I know some people, um, choose to have a few different areas that they want to focus on and I think that's important also depending on what career path you're taking are you a designer and an illustrator are you an artist and a photographer are you a PR and marketing expert that's fine but when you start saying you can do everything you can't do everything that well Yep, totally agree with that you can't have five (laughs) majors
2: no no, what is the almost. average amount
0: of majors somebody should be putting up on the scale? You'd say. I'd say one. I'd say one and one major, I think min- one minor. One I, major, I think minors.
2: Minor. I think one major. Two I minor, think you can yeah, go yeah. two to three minors. Yeah,
1: I actually had two <laughs> minors in college. See, I, was a, I, I had trouble <laughs> making decisions even back then. Okay, so, so I. Oh, yeah. Go I was ahead. Just,
2: go ahead. I was going to share, I'll share a, a really quick um, story, uh, fr- freelance stories related to pivoting. So when I was leaving IDEO, I really wanted to get into product management and was struggling to break into product management because everyone kept saying, well, you have more like consulting experience. You don't have the actual like operational product management experience. You never built something, executed something really at scale. And so I was like, all right, I got to go get some like freelance opportunities here. I was hungry. I was determined. Um, So I started talking to a lot of startups and this was a time when like, you know, everybody was building a social chat app and that, so that was one where I went and, and, and kept talking to this founder and he was like, yeah, yeah, I think there's there's like, there's definitely an opportunity here. Come in. We'll talk about it. So we talked a few times and then he's like, yeah, like, I think let's like, here's a scope. Let's do some stuff. And he kept kind of punting me, but I didn't know any etiquette about freelance. I'd never done it before. So like, I didn't know the formalities around how these things work. And then I hadn't heard from him, but I was supposed to be starting one day. So just straight up, went to the office, showed up with my blazer (laughs) um, and my computer And, um, knocked on the door, like he wasn't even there. And someone else from the team was like, Hey, uh, who are you? And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm starting today, uh, doing this project. And no one had heard of me. Um, the founder wasn't even there. I emailed him and he's like, yeah, so we never like formalized that we were actually going to do this project yet. Um, so, I'd so so why don't you pissed it was so it was so the whole thing was so awkward like I was just super over eager and I went in and I like we hadn't signed anything but I didn't know how these things worked but I was just so determined to like get this experience so that I could say that I can do product management and I don't to me it just I had so much empathy for freelancers because There are these really weird protocols and like new etiquette that you have to kind of adhere to um, in the same way you do if you have a full time job that, you know, it really turned me on to for the for the very first time in a in a shocking way.
1: And now you're dedicating your career to making sure that never happens to another freelancer (laughs) ever again. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Uh, Step one.
1: Wait, so when you showed up and everything, like, did you end up working with him? Or was he like, no, I yeah. never want to talk to you again? <laughs>
2: yeah, he was kind of like, I think you're a little too eager here. Yeah, for yeah, us.
1: yeah. Yeah, being, being over eager, it's one of those things you, um, I think the freelancers struggle with this all the time, T.A., I'm sure you agree, like, the, that, that difference between wanting to be, like, cool and not try too hard, and then you, like, weird out the client because they're like, whoa, like we were expecting you to like get back to us like immediately or being the one that's just like, oh, I texted them and I haven't heard back in 20 minutes. Should I call? Like (laughs) everyone is so different. I think we're all guilty of that. Yeah. 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 I'm struggling with that right now. I was asked to do like a speech at a college and I was, and I'm just like, so excited. I'm like, oh my God, if I could give speeches at colleges like once a week forever, that would just be like my dream. And like, they haven't gotten back to me. And so I'm like pretending to be my assistant and I'm like, just checking to make sure you received
0: (laughs) mine. I mean, LA's message. (laughs) We did a poll on how many people had fake assistants once in the Facebook group. And there was like 30% that made up fake assistants. And it was a great idea because you know what, it just takes that level away from you, which is so nice. And it makes you look you know, a little more professional. And like you have a whole team behind you as a freelancer. And it's really just you being like, please answer my email. So my assistant, my
1: assistant is real. Hello, Niemi,
0: if you're listening to this. Um, But that was just and I usually don't do that. I do. It was just this one thing I got so excited about. I used to have my fiance pretend that he was my assistant when I was a blogger back 10 years ago. Boss, boss move. With partnerships, and it worked out. they were like, "Oh, she's more important." I'm going to email oh, it back that's now, brilliant. and you got more answers. That's so brilliant. I'd have to
2: use it as like, "I'm so sorry for all <laughs> those typos." My assistant is just she's she's still learning.
3: <laughs> we're we're installing Grammarly tomorrow. Like, I have I know people who've had like friends sit on on like pitches and conference calls because they wanted to feel like they had bigger teams. So that was like to yes. get get the money you know, you, your your studio. I, you did that at, at Grand Central Tech, no, 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 did I you? Didn't, oh, I did Oh, there was one that I was part of, but I did not, um, had that one up. But, um, yeah, it's interesting just the dynamics of being able to like get some of those bigger projects. It's like, do I need to pretend to have a team of five behind me? <laughs> not that I ever did this, but it's interesting, like the psychology behind it.
1: I mean, psychology becomes the, our, our, everyone's minor when you're dealing with any of these career changes, (laughs) true. but, um, Tia, did you have any other last questions before you run off to do wedding prep? Any burning thing you wanted us to touch on? Burning
0: questions. We touched on so many different areas today. I think we did. I just want to wrap on niche. I'd say like a little tidbit on that and that would be Awesome. So basically, you teach uh,
1: someone their major and their minor. How do you then apply that to people honing in on their niche and making that work for them as a career path?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's – I think kind of broadly what we focus on, if you think about the journey, it's people who are thinking about making a career transition, but they don't know – how to get started they just know they want to do something different but they don't know what that could be and job descriptions we talked about are super confusing so that they don't even know what it's called they don't know what their options are um so that's number one then there's people who know what they want to do they just really need to figure out how to get there and um and then there's people who made the transition and it's what we call like this oh shit moment right where you're like okay i'm here But now I really need the help because it's where rubber meets the road and I have to upskill and I got to learn quickly. So so those are the three phases that we really focus on um, as it relates to career pivots. And, you know, pivot is kind of like this word which we're mixed about, honestly, because it's like we all have a mental model around it now. But it feels like a one time thing. But the reality is this is how we're evolving through our careers. So we really see ourselves as a platform that's about career evolution and and career mobility. Um, but in terms of, you know, what, what we do, so we provide both the emotional and the functional support to help people through each of these stages. And we do that tactically through coaching, um, group coaching, one-on-one coaching. Um, we do it through really strategic playbooks and resources, um, that guide people, um, through like resumes, conversations, interviews, um, pick-me-ups when you get rejected. Um, and we have that in a very kind of structured format that in a digital format that people can access um, as they move to the program. Um, and then the other thing is we use, we have a lot of data and we um, use that data to do the translation, to do the decoding. So we'll look closely at people's um In this case, their like their self reflection is like what you you know the the example that you mentioned, La like somebody who said, "This is my major, this is my minor," and then what we do is help them translate how um, what specific experiences they've had in their career and how they're applicable and transferable to where they want to go, and ways that they should talk about it on the resume. Where's ways that they should talk about it when they're interviewing? Um, So really, kind of like building that pitch. Um, as well as building a list of target companies and places that are going to be really open to your your background and um, and see it as kind of like a, a two plus two is five, not just like okay, this person wants to make a
1: you know a linear move. Two plus two is five. I think that is like the takeaway lesson, and we're actually collecting. Uh, actionable tidbits from every single episode for listeners to be able to reflect on the nuggets of wisdom that we glean from our awesome guests. And I feel like that idea of finding your major and your minor and finding out where you are in those three areas and how to turn that into your two plus two is five is like the thesis statement that you are proving with Zite. So, so, so great to talk to you both. I really want to just like get drinks with you guys and hang out and share more <laughs> freelance stories and client stories. Uh, so let's Likewise. do this again. Let's do this again very soon. And I'm excited to share with all of our listeners and our community with freelancing females more about how they can, um, work with you guys. With Zy. Thank
0: you so
3: much for having us. It was wonderful. Thank fun. you.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thank you all for being here. We had so much fun today. Please go and review us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. And if you want more information on what we chatted about, the women we spoke to, please go check out our show notes.
1: Yeah, and don't forget to also check out the exclusive content drop on the Freelancing Females Norby page, which is going to have those sweet little actionable tidbits, workshopy kind of items for you to actually apply the knowledge that you learned, hopefully, in this episode to your life or to your business. So uh, check out our Norby page to see more info and basically rock your world.
0: Well, until next time, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye.